0: I was away this week with my wife and family and we had a great time. I was looking forward to being relaxed and chilling out, reading a, a, a rubbish book and then getting on and, you know, just all the stuff you don't do in a normal week. Uh, it was excellent. And then my daughter discovered that there was a cave experience that you could go on an underwater caving, diving, stroke, kind of self-destruct opportunity um, uh, in a high-speed speedboat and you could, you know, you hang on for dear life and, and you had to wear a wetsuit. And I said... Okay, let me just think about this. Anyway, duty call. So I said, yeah, I'll go with you. There's uh, anyway, so they rush us off to this, um, a few days later, to this uh, program collecting people from different hotels. And, um, and they said, oh, you need to get your wetsuits on quickly. And I'm thinking, what size am I? And they gave me a bigger one. So trying to tell me something. Um, <laughs> Anyway, you know what it's like with a wetsuit. You put it on sort of back to front, don't you? And zips in the back. Anyone else want to put a wetsuit on before? I'm sure many of you have. I don't do it very often. You know, as little as often. Um, Little little as possible. Anyway, so on this one occasion, um, we're in there and you can all these people coming in. The guy gives me the wetsuit. I'm the last to get mine. They're all getting... And I get my left foot in and it's really, really tight. And I'm thinking... This is supposed to be a bigger one, and and it feels like it's really hard work. And he said, just just roll it a little bit and sneak your foot down, and your your leg will follow. Anyway, so I'm trying to pull it up like tights, and I don't wear tights as a rule. uh, I was sympathising for you ladies who have those sort of denier 100. (laughs) Anyway, so... And now the room's milling around and busy, and I'm not really paying attention. I'm grabbing the next, and I'm trying to get my leg in, and everyone's now got their wetsuits on. And I'm thinking, God, this is really tight, and I'm not really paying attention. And I'm, I'm pushing my foot in. I'm thinking, this is seriously tighter than the other leg. And I'm pushing it. I'm just... can't. In the end, I'm resorting to every way I can. I'm trying to pull this thing up, and I eventually got my feet through the end, the ankles over, and I can feel the blood stopping in my leg. I... I you think I'm exaggerating, it was so tight, and I said to Rebecca, this is so tight, it feels like I, I put my foot in the arm, <laughs> at which point, she went, you have, you put your foot in the arm, and, and the guy listened, he said, you can't have, it's impossible, and, it, it's true, it did happen. I had my foot down the arm. It was so uncomfortable. Anyway, I'm trying to be discreet now and not look like an absolute muppet. Anyway, I said, Becca, quickly help me get this thing off. And she was leaning backwards. And Anyway, sure enough, the thing eventually came off and I slipped on the proper leg uh, and felt really stupid. So um, I tell you that crazy story because it's true. I felt a bit daft and I was a bit embarrassed by it. But the truth is, if we don't do the right things with what we've got, we end up being in uncomfortable situations. And with the kingdom of God, there is a biblical principle around the kingdom of God and how we build in God's kingdom. And if we don't do it well or do it right you will get very uncomfortable because as believers, we are called to come into God's kingdom. And if we start doing things the wrong way or with the wrong sense of priority, then we will be doing things that are misshaped and we will get uncomfortable. And God will let us get uncomfortable because he wants us to understand what kingdom building is all about. So kingdom building is my title and we're going to look at it. I can build my kingdom or I can help build God's kingdom. Statement. It's a, it's a choice. It's binary. We're either building our kingdom or we're building God's kingdom. And it's that serious. It, who, a kingdom has a king. And it, if you are building with you as the priority, then you are the king. But you'll be building a, a kingdom of your own. And God's priority is not your kingdom. It's his kingdom. And God wants us to get our priorities in the right order. We come to faith and we enter the kingdom of God. Now, we are very much part of church life. That was God's plan. And church is part of God's kingdom. But God's kingdom is dynamic. It's global. It's, it's forcefully advancing, the Bible says. So we've got to be very careful that we, come in, we don't come in the name of Christianity and we build our own kingdom. And you may think, well, I'm not really building a kingdom. I'm just looking after my household. I'm just looking after my work life. I'm just looking after my job interest. I'm just focused on my short-term step into career or my studies. The trouble is, if you become prioritised around you, you start building a kingdom, whether it's small or whether it's medium-sized. It could be huge. But you've got to understand that the kingdom of God permeates everything we touch and needs to, but if we don't allow it, we'll be in a misshaped situation, a bit like me in that crazy wetsuit, and it'll be really uncomfortable, and God will let us get uncomfortable until we realise we've got to get back into the right shape, and then we'll be fit for purpose. So our BCC vision, if you are new here today, this was announced four weeks ago on on the Sunday. Uh, It's part of what's been going on in our heart, and God's been working through us over the years, and this is like the Concise statement about our vision. Our vision is to bring growing kingdom influence and transformation to every area of our lives, the community, and beyond. And this may just seem like words. This is not words. This is God's word for us as a church to bring growing kingdom influence. We looked in that first week about the importance of God's kingdom, the definitive statement in scripture about then the end will come. It's attached to God's kingdom. The eternal plan of God is attached to the movement of God's kingdom in our lives and across the face of this earth. It is part and parcel of God's plan. The end point is not whether I come to church. The start point is the fact that I come to church. The purpose is that we understand God's kingdom and we are able to operate in it at all times. All times. Not Sundays. It's not Mondays. It's not Wednesdays or the evening. It's all times. The kingdom call is all-inclusive, right? It's all-inclusive. It's not compartmentalized. And so this is our vision. We also have our mission statement, which is disciples reproducing disciples. That's If we're not reproducing disciples, what are we reproducing? So it's disciples. That's the Great Commission. And our values... um, our, our daring values, six of them, are documented on our website, and we communicate that through our various programs. So this is our vision, and we, we're going to teach through this and bring perspectives um, on this uh, topic through the, through the next few months, in fact. But this series right now is Kingdom Influence, and three of our, the three strategic building blocks are health, equipping, and mission. We are not going to dive into those this morning. That's, we will, we've got plenty of time to start unpacking those areas. They're strategic. Why? Because we're going to use our recognition of health and equipping and mission to help us understand if we're really being effective. And we'll do it at a personal level, group level, team level, church level. And as we expand uh, beyond this site and into the world, we are going to be looking at it really closely because we want to celebrate what God is doing. So our kingdom call is all about discovering and becoming who God has called us to become. That's our kingdom call. It's not about you uh, or me choosing to create a defined definition of my current life and my future around my agendas. It's not Our kingdom call is all about discovering and becoming who God has called us to become. You may have been a believer for decades and never actually properly operated in God's kingdom. It's highly likely there are people in the room like that. I know that there are believers all over the world like that. Um, They're used to a pattern of behaviour. And so we have got to challenge ourselves about what real kingdom behaviour looks like. So let's start with this Entry into the conversation. How should I build the kingdom with God? Because he's called us to partnership. He's not called us to be independent. He's called us to work with him. And the Apostle Paul uh, takes us through an interesting piece of conversation in 1 Corinthians 3. And we're just going to take a few verses here to show how seriously Paul uh, shaped his own life because of this kingdom responsibility. So how should I build? Firstly, it's wisely. Build wisely. The wise man builds his house upon the rock. The foolish man builds his house upon. Right. We isolate that statement to Sunday and children, and we leave it there as a nice story. But it's true. Wise men and women build on the rock. And the rock, of course, is, is Jesus himself. And um, as we look into this verse, verse 10 of 1 Corinthians 3, uh, Paul says this. Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now, others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. We very rarely remember those words, very careful. You may remember the other words from these verses, but the very careful is often completely ignored. And We're just going to look at some of these words. The word grace is a huge word. We've been singing about God's eternal grace, that we are sinners saved by grace there is nobody good there is nobody truly good Um, we are all sinners saved by grace Um, i was listening to the radio just recently and there was a thing on radio four about a university over in belgium and i really meant to go and look at the research but they did research on truth and they discovered through analysis and research over a number of years that everybody lies including everybody in this room And on average, people lie three times a day. So you may be saying, that's not me. Bingo. (laughs) Right? Right. The truth is, we are born into sin, which causes us to do things that are wrong. And we lie. You lie, and don't pretend you don't. Because you do things that suit you, and you make up the plan to work to your plan. And you will make sure it works out the way you want it to. And the way of doing that sometimes is to, Now, I know you're a bunch of saints in here. A lot of halos. I, I sense that really it's a very rare problem. But um, it's true. You know, The reality is it does happen. Um, but anyway, let's look at this. Because of God's grace to me. God's grace. If we are not good, God had to solve the problem of sin. And his problem-solving plan was to demonstrate grace. His enormous grace to forgive people because we don't know how to do the right thing ourselves. God helps us with that. We'll look at that later. So that kind of eternal grace is given to us freely by God. But there's another kind of grace that exists, and it's God's grace on your life specifically. Your life and my life. God has made you with a plan to get His grace operating through you. You may have been through a tough time in life. You may have been through a battering experience. You may have been really frustrated. You may feel frustrated right now. But God's put a grace in your life for something in his kingdom. There's a power prepared for you to operate uh, in his kingdom that goes beyond your normal human capacity. It's a grace. And Paul knew that. I have laid the foundations like an expert builder. Um, the expert, uh, word expert actually means wise from the Greek, sophos. It means wise and skilled. It means somebody really does know the difference between the right way and the wrong way. And then as a builder, architecton is the Greek word, a master architect. And what is it an architect understands? It's not just what does the building look like, it's where are the pressures, where are the struts got to be, where are the, where are the, where are the tensions in the, in the build, what materials need to be used, what, what does the foundation look like, um, You know, what are the practicalities, So for me, I really like the idea of understanding pressure and stress and tension, because actually tension in the right way enables buildings to be built very, very tall. If you don't have the right tensions, you can't build. And actually, good building is about balancing the tensions. It's not about no tension, because if you've got no tension, you've got no building. So in a way, Paul understood that His role and his call and his grace was to be an expert builder. But the challenge is on us as well. Now others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. So I thought about this. What is it to be careful when you build as a believer? If God is calling us to be kingdom builders in partnership with him, how should we be careful? Well, there's three things at the bottom of the slide. We should be firstly spiritually truthful. Spiritually truthful. It is easy if we have got a human propensity to deceive ourselves, that's what lying is. Then you have the propensity to deceive yourselves about spiritual matters. So we've got to make sure that our actions are spiritually grounded in truth, not in fantasy, make believe, some notion that's been passed to me from somebody else, or some ideology, or some philosophical approach to theology, whatever it is. We've got to live in truth, you know, in God's spiritual truth. Truth that comes from God, because the demonic is spiritual, it's not truthful. Sometimes it will tell you the truth, but it's there to bring you down. So you've got to know whether something is really truthfully spiritual and it's godly. So Psalm 25.5 talks about, lead me by your truth. That's like the cry of the psalmist, lead me by your truth. Because you can be led by anything, your emotions, you can be led by your pressures, your weaknesses your addictions, your deceptions. You can be led by your aspirations. You can be led by your greed. You can, be led, you can be led by anything that is in the human nature, which is why we need God's grace. But it says, lead me by, the psalmist said praise, lead me by your truth. And we should be asking God, lead me by truth. Secondly, are we relationally mature? Let's just start with Galatians 5, 22, 23, which is the fruit of the Spirit. That's a tough Tough area to line our lives up with. But actually, relationships are massive because if God is trusting us as his body in unity, that means we've all got to take a responsibility for making sure we do things right in relationship, that we handle interpersonal things well, That's what building carefully is about. It's about having God's fruit, the fruit of His Spirit, operating well and not being selfish and demanding a particular approach to anything. It's actually having wisdom and knowing how kingdom building requires good, good personal relationship with others. And then my third area of being careful is being personally humble. We know God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. God opposes. It's one of the few places in Scripture where I guarantee you, you want opposition from God? Just be proud. Just let pride grow up in your life. He is no respecter of you when it comes to pride. He will let you go through a process of having your... Now, your pride could be presented through arrogance and ego, but it could be through quietness, opinion. Your, your, Your pride could be actually very, very toxically quiet. I'm not doing that. That's wrong, and that's my view. Your arrogance might be so toxic that actually most people don't even realise it exists, but it's in your heart, and we got to deal with that. And then you know, so personal humility. Proverbs eleven two is one of many verses. It said that pride leads to what disgrace in this scripture. Pride, and it does. Pride comes before a fall. Um, so pride leads to disgrace, um, but you know, humility. It says leads to wisdom. Isn't that good? So you know, people say to me sometimes, yeah, but I'm a Christian. That means I can do what I feel is right. Let me tell you, that's a misguided and a blind statement because actually we have got to do things in truth, in maturity relationally and in humility before God. Just being a Christian may, is, is not a badge to do whatever you like and say, "Well in, you know I can do it because i 'm a christian i 'm fine it 's just my opinion i 'll just i 've got my philosophy i 'll stick with it and i 'll drive that home because that 's right." Not, that's not right. That's not right before God, and he will deal with that in you, and he'll deal with that in me, let me tell you. He will deal with it. He will not let that continue. Now, jumping to building and, and kingdom building, uh, I took these three photos. They look like cards. I know I should be paid as a professional photographer. Um, commissions on request. Um, but this is back in. That isn't me, by the way, on the left-hand side. I know you think I dress up. But then, anyway, um, I was in Nepal in 2015, two years after the big earthquake out there. 600,000 buildings and structures were either demolished or collapsed. And they collapsed because they were not fit for purpose. Everyone thought they were. Um, and many thousands of people were killed and died. And the reason I was in Nepal was because, on behalf of Assemblies of God in Britain, I was taking finances that were raised or going to see the project work on the back of the finance that, was, that were raised across many, many, many churches in the UK. And we're going to see the area of the disaster. And so, the slide on the, the picture on the top right hand corner is the is shot of the Himalayas and we went through that disaster zone and went up into the mountains and 4,000 feet up, it was absolutely flipping terrifying. Um, But it was an amazing experience. Now, on the bottom right-hand corner, you can see, it's not very clear on this slide, but it's a house that's slightly crooked. And that is actually a house that was rebuilt after the earthquake. And you probably think, God, they did a bad job. That thing's already leaning over. The truth is that house is still standing. Because that's an earthquake-proof house. And when another tremor struck and the side of the mountain came sliding down, the people in that house survived. They survived because that house has been built to withstand earthquakes. And so they learned a hard lesson. And sometimes for us, it's going to take a hard lesson to realize that, actually, we are not building very well in kingdom. And you'll know because in your life, things start collapsing. And if, if the walls have fallen down, the roof's caved in, your world is in chaos, chances are you're not building right in terms of kingdom. And God will have to teach us and get us back into an understanding of building well so that things will stand. And so how should I build? Firstly, we build on Christ. Paul said in verses 11 through to uh, 12, in fact, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hail, straw. Odd that they would have that list in there. I've always been kind of puzzled by it because it seems like it's an odd list. Well, who God chose that list? But it's interesting that that list is there. So let's start with the foundation is Christ. You see, in our... Um, Understanding of the gospel, we can get very distorted. Let me tell you this we are sinners saved by grace. The Bible makes it very clear no man is good, no woman is born good. You are not good by nature, you are born to be self centered, actually, or consumed by something in your world. It's the flesh, the Bible talks about it, and the Bible tells us there's a war in Romans, talks about the war in the flesh that we have to overcome it. But we overcome it so that we can do the right things before God. But because God knows that we actually are not good by nature, he has provided his own son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life, sinless, to die. He was raised from the dead. And the Bible makes it so clear that if we believe that truth, you become a sinner saved by grace. Because you have no way of solving this dilemma of sin. You can't do it. And that's why God hates pride, you know? He hates pride so much because people with pride say, But I want my way. I want what I want. I will have what I want. But you can't even save yourself. By comparison, you are unable to save yourself from actually what is going to happen in eternity, which is God's judgment of sin. God doesn't hate people. He loves people. He wants all that would respond to the gospel to be saved. He's not excluding people. He's drawing all to come to him. And so the truth of the gospel is, it's not work that gets you saved. You don't come to church and have to do loads of good things to be saved. You just have to believe and put your faith in Jesus Christ. We are simply saved by grace. And this, not from ourselves, it's a gift From God. That's what the scriptures say. It's God's gift to us. So salvation, if you have not given your life to Jesus Christ and said, I trust that you did that for me. If you've not done it, you are rejecting the gift that God is giving you. Because he's saying you don't have to work for it. You just have to believe. Because if you believe, I will know that you believe. And that will change your your future. That will change your destiny. So we are saved by faith. But work... Becomes a fruit of that salvation. And the highlighted bit on the screen. Obedience is our response to salvation, not our route to salvation. It's our response. And there are plenty of people who don't like the word obedience, let me tell you. People will argue, no, no, it's grace, it's grace, it's grace, it's grace. I can do what, you know, God's given me grace. No, no, he's he's not just done that. He's given you a challenge to be obedient to his call. And that's why if you're like me and did a silly thing and put my leg in the wetsuit down the sleeve, it's going to hurt. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's the wrong shape. You're trying to force yourself into the thing that it shouldn't have been forced into. It's going to be painful because you're in God's kingdom, but you're not operating in God's kingdom well. You've got to undo the mismatch of what's going on. Obedience is our response to salvation. Obedience is important. It's important, guys. It's so important. And this reference in verse 12, anyone who builds on a foundation that may use a variety of materials, and you can read the list. You see, the reason that list is there is because the opt-out is not, I spend more time helping. <laughs> because the call is, we give our lives to the kingdom. It's not whether I give, you know what, I did an extra rota um, on cafe on Saturday. Or on Sunday, I put myself, I deputised, that's my extra bit of work. You know, I don't have to worry about all the materials that God's put in my life. It's not at all. Our kingdom call is everything. It's the whole of our life. It goes through your business, through the workplace, through your family. It goes through everything. Because believe me, the issue is not Brexit. The issue is the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God will sustain you when human decisions fail you time and time and time and time again. So you don't need to worry because God will sustain you because you operate in his kingdom. And that's the biggest kingdom that's ever existed in the history of the world and it's forcefully advancing and it's the biggest kingdom in the world with billions of people in it. People you don't know. People from different colours and nationalities and races and languages. You don't know. They're there and they're in tough situations and they're in difficult situations and they're in flourishing situations, but they've got to live by kingdom principles of building. So obedience is our response. So what materials am I going to use? Whatever God has given you, they're your materials. You don't substitute your time for the materials. You use the materials that God's given you. It's a biblical principle, which means that if he's given you gold, you use gold. If he's given you jewels, you use jewels. If he's given you silver, you use silver. If all you have is straw, you use straw. But you are 100% in the kingdom. You are. If you don't hear this today, your future is going to be damaged because God will get you to understand this. It's a big deal. I tell you what, I was in a meeting recently with somebody who's a leader and we were talking about stuff, having a cup of coffee. He was very relaxed. And all of a sudden, the conversation stopped. His phone pinged. And I thought, he looked really serious for a second. I thought some horrible news came through. He just looked and went, goodness... Wow. And uh, I thought, is everything all right? Uh, He said, a few years ago, someone said to me that when the time is right, I'm going to give you a million pounds for kingdom ministry. Right? And he said, look at this. And there was a one and six noughts next to that text. It wasn't a text, it was a bank statement. He just, just like, wow. The guy was true to his word. And he used the resource, the materials that God had given him. See, God's giving us materials to use. And if you have a lot, you use a lot. If you have a little, you've got a little to use. But God's going to give you more. But the materials are important. So how should we build? Value now is important. Has what you have been building got any value? Because God looks at value. In the marketplace, they took a value proposition. We used to talk about it all the time in the commercial world. First Corinthians thir- three, uh, 13 to fifteen says, "But on the day of judgment, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a work- person's work has any. What's the word? Value. value. I've got any value? So my question is: I know I'm being pretty heavy here, but I'm doing it because it's important." Because God's got a purpose behind this. What kind of work am I doing? There has to be a self-reflection here. Test myself. Is my work firstly guided by God Himself? You see, Jesus said, and He's our model for this in John 5:19. I only do what I see the Father doing. What I see the Father doing. What I see God doing. What are you seeing God do? And are you doing it with him? <laughs> if you are not seeing God do something, are you in his kingdom? Or are you just not looking to see what God is doing? If you're not in his kingdom, you've got to get in his kingdom because that's where God is doing the stuff. But if you are in there, you need a look to see what God is doing. What is he doing? Secondly, personal test. Can what I am doing in the work that I'm, being, I'm doing be built on by others? Who are in the kingdom? That was back in verse ten. I skipped through that because I wanted that to be part of this test. Work that be done by others is part of the test. Is what I am doing something that another believer can build on, or not? Because this is the kind of analysis that will will happen. And then finally, work that survives God's testing will be the final test. And how will we have a sense whether or not it'll survive the test? Because the Holy Spirit, if we listen to him, will challenge us about whether or not what we're doing is going to be able to pass the test. You think, I'm kidding. I'm not. That's why we've got to be so careful. If the Holy Spirit prompts us, you've got to do. You've got to do when the Holy Spirit promises. If you don't, then you are basically saying, no, no, I'm just going to risk it because I'm king of my kingdom. Not a great place to be. So, And what does the principle in the Bible tell us all the time, time and time again? Give God the first and the best. The first and the best. Great little test. So good test there. Jesus said, we know he came to to set the captives free, to bind up the brokenhearted. But Jesus made a statement in Luke 19.10. The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. Those that are lost. So we as a church have got to hold that high in our agenda. Those that are lost. So how should I build? There's reward attached to building. This is pretty interesting. First Corinthians 3, 14 and 15. If the work survives, so it's gone through that fiery test, that builder will receive a reward. It's not debatable. It's in text. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through the flames. Interesting that the word reward comes from the Greek meaning wages for service. Now We don't think about it like that but, and I have no idea how God in his wisdom is going to work this all through, but somehow when it comes to seeing God in eternity, he will go, well done my good and faithful servant, or he'll say something else. And the test will happen at that point. It's going to happen. And as a pastor, I'm telling you, this is what the journey is. And so God challenges us to respond and uh, he makes it Really clear. So in 2 Corinthians 5.10, it says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what is done in the body. There are two judgments in Scripture. There's the great white throne judgment, which is, Did you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Is your name in the Lamb's book of life? Have you made a faith decision? Are you living by faith? The other judgment is the Bema judgment seat, where Jesus will say, Well, what did you do with what I gave you? with all the materials and all the time you had what what did you produce and so that will happen and God is planning to reward that and it's that reward's already in place the crazy thing is if you suffer great loss that means whatever's already in place will be taken away now I'm just presenting scripture here it's for you to weigh it up and you to reflect on what this means for you so this is the good news right? It's not bad news this, because the reason it's good news is because God's got a plan through our obedience and our servanthood. His plan is this, to fuel what's in your life. God's plan is to fuel you. Philippians 2, 12 and 13 says, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So you see, as you engage with the obedience side of the fruit of our salvation, God will give you the desire and the power to get stuff done that you would never get done. He will g- this is what's so exciting about salvation for me. Yes, it's good news about eternity. But for me, what can happen in our lifetime as a result of the power of God giving us the desire and the power to get done what God wants to get done? Now, on the right-hand side, you'll see on the screen some books on their side. Now there are some of the epistles. You know, God's pattern through the Old Testament and the New has always been this. That God will never ask you to do something without him doing something first. And so what God does for us, he makes it very clear. And then he says, but now because I've done that for you, I want you to step up into the opportunity that I have for you. And those books on the right give you the, the kind of ratios of where, what God has done on the left and on the right, where God is challenging us to be obedient and to respond. You see, it's there, but we're not doing it to get salvation. We're doing it because God wants to put his desire and his passion and his power through us. He wants us to be incredible achievers. So if we want to be in that place, what do we do? We ask God, God, help me to see the truth of this. Help me to see your desires. Help me to have the right desire. Help me to have your power. You know, It's not going to mess up life in a sense, in a sense it kind of does, but on the other hand, it's actually going to fulfill your life because God's kingdom is here forever, right? His kingdom is here and we're either in it or we're not in it, but we might as well start working to the way God treats kingdom. So ask and then act and then be amazed. But you know, this is fascinating. When God calls, he also refreshes God will refresh you. There are a lot of people feeling like they're burned out, they're working hard, they're feeling perhaps even depressed or life's overwhelming them or emotionally they've been feeling like they're brought down. But if we do things and the fit is right and we're not trying to put the wetsuit on the wrong way around and we actually operate in God's kingdom the way he designed it to operate then we will start to see the outcome and the fruit of that, that kingdom activity in our lives. So while the call and the challenge is to be obedient to work, look what happens as a result. Psalm 19, 7 and 8, a Psalm of David. He said in verse 7, The instructions of the Lord are perfect. Perfect means he understands what you need and what's going to get the best out of you and in you and for you and through you. They're perfect. They're perfectly designed to perfect what's in you. Um, reviving the soul. Whose soul is feeling like it's worn out and wrung out and exhausted? And It's not more work. This is about doing things in kingdom design. It will revive the soul. If you're feeling worn out emotionally on the floor and you're frustrated, are you really doing things in a kingdom way? Because the kingdom isn't designed to wear you out. The kingdom is there to inspire you, to help you feel that surge of God's power and presence in your life. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy. They make wise the simple. Too many people are clever in their own eyes. We need to be a little bit simpler and just a little bit more being led by God. And it gives you confidence and hope. Verse 8, the commandments of the Lord are right, bringing what joy to the heart. If you're lacking joy right now, maybe there's something else that needs to be looked at. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear. In other words, they're not ambiguous. They're straightforward. Build on the rock, don't build on the sand. You know, know what the journey's about. Know what the kingdom's about. Know why I'm doing this. Know why these things are important. The commands of the Lord are clear, and they give insight for living. In other words, they draw draw the best of your life out of you. That's what they do. You know, it was a busy week last week. Came back from holiday. Felt a bit like I wanted to just take it easy for a few more days. That can happen. Anyone ever been in that position? We just feel like, yeah, but there was a lot to be done. All those emails, hey, Fred. hey all those emails. And I had some stuff come in on Friday and Thursday. I thought, I'm just going to leave until I get all the other stuff done for church during the day. And so Friday evening, I I picked up a couple of messages and texts, and I just thought, okay, I had messages from three guys, or two guys, actually, Tony and Mike. And Tony had messaged me, Mark, please call me if you get a moment. Nothing urgent. So I called him. I was feeling like it's been a long day already, and uh, I wasn't quite really in the rhythm. And uh, anyway, I phoned him. It was such a joy to speak to Tony. Tony said, you know, Mark, you know that work you guys have been doing in Lebanon? I want to be not only part of it, I want to drive it. Can I be part of what you're doing? Can I volunteer myself to take that nationally around the UK? Can I be part of the leadership team that drives that right across churches, right across the UK? Would that be what I say? I'm sorry I'm being a bit like, but I can see that God's in it. Uh, Would you like me to be part of it I said Tommy yes of course I'd like you to be part of it and then we started to think for a minute he said well I've got an important meeting tonight and he said um, he said anything you can share with me I said yeah and I told him about what we did in Lebanon the fact that there's this big piece of land the fact that we are looking there's opportunity and I said you know hundreds of churches could be involved in that he said I'm going to take that tonight I'm going to run with that I'm thinking that's brilliant I thought fantastic. That was a call to have, and then I saw this message from this guy Mike saying, "Could I speak to you?" And he's in the states, and and so I, I thought, okay. I thought I don't know where this is going to go, um, and I messaged him about, "Yeah, contact me when." Anyway, the call pops up, and Mike's on the phone. I was actually planning to go out for the part of the evening, and this message from Mike: "Hey Mark, how are things? Yeah, yeah, great stuff is going on. You know, we've got this guy who's wanting to commit himself to be." able to support. Well, he's confirmed he wants to be part of what you're doing in the UK. He wants to fly over. He wants to... This guy, you know, he's got he's got a lot of capacity in every respect. He'd love to be part of what you're doing. Um, what do you think? And I said, yeah. Sounds like a good idea. He said, there's two other guys and I've been speaking to them and they're all saying, yes, we want to be involved. And they're even more capacity. And I'm, I'm thinking... What's going on here? This is kind of weird. I'm thinking, I'm seeing God doing something in these calls. I'm realising in the space of about 45 minutes, I'm seeing the move of God happen right in front of my eyes. Do what you see the Father doing. I'm seeing it. I'm thinking, God, what do you want me to do now? And I remembered Richard. and I phoned Richard and I said, Richard, it's about to happen. God's about to move. Do you want to be in? Do you want to be involved? Would you be able to commit yourself to being with us on something? And he said, of course. He said, and by the way, I already knew you were going to ask me because God spoke to me three weeks ago. I was going to speak to you about it, but I just thought I'd wait till you asked. So God had already spoken to him. So it wasn't He said, I've spoken to my wife and we want to be committed to you as well. And I'm thinking, God's moving things around for his kingdom purpose. He's doing it outside of human planning. He's doing it because he's doing it. And you know what struck me after these calls? And I phoned the guy back in the... Anyway, it was suddenly quite an interesting moment. I suddenly realised God's making all this stuff happen. And it was going to happen with or without me. But I needed to be part of it and God drew me into it. Interesting. And what I realised was the word yes was very, very, very important. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me as clear as day that the promises of God are yes and amen. And 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20 says, The promises of God find their yes in Him, and through Him we utter our amen to God. The promise, in simplified terms, the promises of God are yes and amen. Worship team, come join me. You see, sometimes all it takes is the word yes, not Maybe. It takes the word, yes, I will step into something. Not, I just need to see whether it's going to work out. Sometimes you've just got to go, yes, I'm in. And when you say, yes, I'm in, something kicks off in the kingdom of God. But if our answer is, no, I don't like this, or I don't want to be involved because of that, or I've got a reason why that's not right, what's God going to do with that? He can't do anything with it because... The promises of God are yes and amen. You see, the word amen means I agree, but I believe. That's what it means. I believe because God's bigger than me. He's bigger than my kingdom. We're coming into His kingdom now. We're working on His plan. We're working on His agenda. And that's what God's got planned for us. Are we ready to be kingdom builders? Are we ready to see God work through us in ways that He may never have done before? The answer has got to be yes Because if you say yes, you watch out. Because it won't be stressful. It won't overload you. It won't bring you down. It's going to fire you up with desire on the inside. It's going to fill you with His power. Because that's God's kingdom principle. Isn't it exciting? I think it's so exciting. You watch what's going to happen as we start to understand these building processes. And now we're coming to communion. And we're going to celebrate the death and resurrection. We're building on this foundation And God is going to build His kingdom in partnership with us. we just got to be willing. When you get that doubt in your mind, am I in or am I not in? The answer is yes and amen. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's stand. I'm going to pray. Let's stand. Father, as we come to communion at the end of the service, God, we are building our foundation on You, Jesus. God, You always did what You saw the Father doing. And You were obedient Yourself. And the Scriptures tell us to death, and death on the cross. And as we come to celebrate your death and resurrection, God, I pray that you would fill us with an understanding of the yes and amen of your promises. That God, we'd see how you are wanting to work through us. That God, you'll see, or we will see your hand at work. God, help us to be strong. Help us to be courageous. Help us to build your kingdom, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.